Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. There are plenty of resurrections that happen in the Bible. Elijah raises a widow's son. Elisha raises the Shunammite woman's son. And a body that's placed in Elisha's grave actually comes back to life when it touches Elisha's bones. Jesus raises the widow of nine's son, as well as Jairus's daughter and his dear friend Lazarus. Peter raises Tabitha from the dead, and Paul raises a young man who fell out of a window after falling asleep during a sermon. I hope that if you fall asleep during this sermon, that you don't find yourself in that same predicament, because I won't be there to help. Yet, it is not any of these resurrections which we celebrate with such great joy and proclamation. On Good Friday, after Jesus had died, the scripture says the graves were opened and the bodies of many saints rose at that time. This was a big, impressive display of resurrection power. Yet it is not even Good Friday which we celebrate for the joy of the resurrection. Though many saints were raised to life, many friends reunited, much death undone. Rather, it is this day, Easter Sunday, when our Lord leaves the tomb that we mark in this way. This resurrection is perhaps the least surprising of all resurrections in the Bible. It was announced repeatedly by Jesus. Jesus himself is God and has authority not only to lay down his life, but also to take it up again. So why is it this resurrection? Of all the resurrections the scriptures announce, this least surprising and most anticipated event that we mark in this way. A most anticipated event which the disciples struggled to believe. Maybe you are in a similar place today, struggling to believe the news of the resurrection. If that's you, it's important for you to know that you're not alone and that you're welcome here. It's an incredible thing to believe, and even the closest followers of Jesus, who in fact saw him raise others from the dead, struggled with it. Perhaps they struggled with it because of the weight of their grief, or even their distrust of the women's accounts. They begin in a place of disbelief, like many of us. They disbelieve until they become eyewitnesses themselves. Even after seeing the tomb and gathering their evidence, the story which we've heard read for us tells us they believed, but they didn't understand. Believing, but not understanding. I think this is precisely the place where many of us who come to church regularly are. We believe in the resurrection because it's what we've been taught, because it's what we've read and seen the ancient testimonies about, even because in some ways we have experienced Jesus's continuing life in us and around us. We believe, but understanding is still our challenge. I think that if we can understand this resurrection more fully, then we will be able to answer that earlier question of why it is this resurrection which we care about so deeply. After Jesus reveals himself to Mary, 
Mary, who we should note, is the first person sent as an emissary of Jesus' resurrection. She is the first apostle and the apostle to the apostles. After he reveals himself to her, he begins to unpack some of the implications of his resurrection in his instructions to her. And he continues this unpacking in the later conversation he has with those community of disciples who are still baffled and afraid by what may be happening. He tells Mary she doesn't need to cling to him, that he is ascending to the Father, but this has not yet happened. He's not going to suddenly disappear. She can let go. In fact, she needs to let go because she needs to go instead to Jesus' brothers and tell them. Jesus does have brothers. Earlier in John's gospel, it mentions that Jesus' brothers, the children of Mary and Joseph, they don't even believe in him. But it is not these brothers to which he refers. Rather, it is his disciples. His disciples, who he elsewhere says he does not call servants, but friends. Now, he says, brothers. Mary understands to whom he refers and goes to the disciples to announce this news, not to the other sons of Mary and Joseph. No longer servants, but friends, and now more than friends, brothers. A first change announced in Jesus' resurrection. Those who follow him are now children of the Father. Because of his death, resurrection, and exaltation, it is Jesus' death and resurrection, the events of these days which we remember every year, which make us not only faithful servants, not only friends of God, but in fact children of the Father and co-heirs of the kingdom. We note this even in the phrasing which Jesus uses to announce his coming ascension to his friends turned brothers. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus elevates his disciples, now children of the father, and he continues to humble himself in relation to the father the Son of God, who is in very nature God himself, continues even in his resurrection to retain his human nature. He continues to relate to his Father as to God in the same ways which all people do. I think that if this was all the resurrection meant, that Jesus now calls us sister and brother, that God the Father has adopted us, I believe that would surely be enough of a reason to celebrate this day, to mark it beyond every other resurrection that is announced. But that's not all. There is much more. When Jesus appears to those gathered behind locked doors, he shares his peace with them, and he means it. So he says it again just to make sure that he's heard it. Then he says that he is sending them as the Father has sent him. To be sent as Jesus was sent is to be invited not only to be a child of God, but in fact to be the beloved child of God. God sent the Son into the world and repeatedly he speaks those affirming words over Jesus, you are my son, my beloved. 
God sends Jesus into a world that is hurting and dying and desperately in need of light and hope in order to be that light, to be that hope. But he also sends him with the ongoing affirmation of his work, with the strong words of love which will allow Jesus to do the Father's work in this world. That is how these disciples are now being sent, not only to do the work of Jesus, but to do the work of Jesus as he was sent to do it, not lost or abandoned to it, but lovingly entrusted with it and confident not only of their purpose, but also of their identity, child, beloved. The resurrection of Jesus means that those who follow him are now his sisters and brothers, children of the Father, and it also means that they are a part of the family business, are called to be Jesus in this world, and in that calling are sent as the beloved. There's still more, though, because next Jesus says, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven, and if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. It is not only adoption, purpose, belovedness, which Jesus' resurrection offers to us, but it is also empowerment. Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them that they would be able to do the work that he did. They truly are being sent as he was sent and entrusted with the same ministry with which Jesus was entrusted. It is by the power of the Spirit that they will announce good news to the poor, that they will feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the prisoner, care for the widow and the orphan and the foreigner alike. It is in the Spirit that they will enter into a new way of being, into the resurrection itself, not only for them, but also for the world which they will serve. There's a pattern, and I hope that you've been noticing this pattern. The pattern is that the very first actions of our resurrected Lord are actions which invite us into his life. Jesus invites his disciples into resurrection life, into full relationship with the Father, into the power and movement of the Holy Spirit. When Lazarus or Tabitha were raised, they were called back into our life back into the life of suffering and disease, of plenty of goodness, but still so much to mourn. They are called back into a life that is still threatened by death. When Jesus is raised, however, he is raised into a new life not marked by these things. And rather than welcoming him back into our living once again, he now welcomes us into his new life. Having been raised from the grave, Jesus first turns to humanity, brothers and sisters, children of the Father, and offers to them the full, flourishing life which leads to resurrection itself. Jesus calls you not only friend, but sibling, sister, or brother. The Father calls you not only child, but beloved. The Spirit is not only among us, but also upon us, entrusted to us by our risen Lord to continue his work in his ways, holding his identity as our own. 
This is why the church throughout history has broken down barriers between people. Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, one in Jesus, one in the church. That good news continues today across every kind of identity which continues to divide us. Liberal and conservative, Presbyterian and Catholic, across every racial and ethnic division, one in Jesus, one in the church, sharing in his life together. Jesus' resurrection is the first fruit of a new harvest that God is reaping in our world. Having been raised from the dead, Jesus turns to us to call us into resurrection with him. This, this is why we celebrate Easter as we do. Christ is risen and so will we be. Christ is risen and his life is offered to us. Christ is risen and all of who he is becomes, of, becomes all of what we are invited to know. These things are as true for believing but not understanding us, even for doubting us as it was for those disciples all those years ago. These things are as true for locked in our houses from a virus us as they were for the disciples locked in the room where they first encountered the Lord. That Easter morning, it wasn't a big Easter parade, but it was a quiet, persistent invitation for us to come out of our graves as well. Come out of your grave of loneliness and find that you now belong to a great community of reconciliation. Come out of your grave of despair and find reason for hope and joy. Come out of the grave of selfish ambition and serve the world that God loves. Come out of the grave of weakness and powerlessness and be overcome by God's provision through his spirit. Dear friends, no, sisters and brothers, our resurrected Lord calls us out of our graves and into his life. He does not ask us to do any more than what he has first done. He does not ask us to go anywhere but where he has first gone before us. Let us then come out of the graves we find ourselves in now and believe, even when we don't understand, that one day, we will be pulled from that grave of death itself and share most fully in that glorious resurrection life which Jesus summons us to even now. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to invite you to reflect on this good news of Easter. And so there are two questions which you can use to journal to pray about, to discuss with those near you, to carry with you through this Easter season. The first is, what grave is Jesus calling you out of today? And the second is, what would living as Jesus, as a beloved child of God, look like in your life? We'll give you a couple of minutes to reflect on these questions. <laughs> 